So I guess the first thing that, or just something that I was, when I was doing some research, something that I saw was interesting was when you look up the, or when you look up your show on Google, the description that comes up or part of the description that comes up is the half hour show features sports stars discussing their lives and careers, including some controversial topics they would probably like to forget. So, (laughs) I mean, would you say that's accurate or? Uh, I think that's probably a negative way of uh, looking at it. I I think one of the things I feel really lucky to have the the opportunity to do is, you know, spend anywhere from a half day to parts of several days with somebody we're profiling. And because of that, we'll spend probably 100 hours of research in advance of the interview, uh, preparing, uh, you know, I'll consume every consequential piece of content I possibly can on who it is we're profiling. I'll talk to a handful of people close to them ahead of the interview. And I think the net result of that is you just come up with stories they haven't been asked about a million times before. And as the person spends more time with you and gets more comfortable, generally they're willing to share a little more than they other normally uh, otherwise normally be comfortable with so uh maybe you'll get that out of me today too yeah yeah. i mean even even piggybacking off that a little bit you were saying that or when i was looking at other podcasters or other interviewers style of style of questioning they or for example if you take joe rogan joe rogan doesn't even do any research about his his uh his person beforehand and then he just goes in and has some a kind of like a casual conversation with them but when i watch your episodes it was more it was less of a casual conversation it was more i mean your show is called in depth but i guess it was more in depth and it was and uh, some aspects of it were kind of like a therapy session in a way so <laughs> how did you kind of or how did you figure out your style at least or was it always like that I wish I had a good answer to that. I, it's nothing has been particularly intentional. I started when I was in eighth grade at MICDS, uh, like you guys, uh, with an internet radio show that I developed. Uh, You know, there wasn't really such a thing called podcast back then. And so I just created a website that served as an archival home for my audio interviews. And, you know, that led to the local getting on a local radio station in St. Louis, where I developed a show over a handful of years. And then I started getting one-off TV opportunities for ESPN, which then translated to an NBC sports gig and Sirius XM radio show and now uh, my current show. And I think over the years, you know, I'm 37 and I started when I was 14. So the majority of my life, this is what I've been doing and still have such a long way to go to get to where I'd like to get, uh, you know, long-term and continuing to develop my craft and skill. But I think the more you do it, you just get more comfortable in your own skin and just kind of being yourself really. And so um, I have a ton of respect for Joe Rogan and what he does. Uh, 
And as it pertains to our show, it's just more kind of consistent with who I am. That makes sense. So you think it depends on like a person to person basis on? Yeah, I think the, the, the goal, you know, if you want to have a career in media, the goal is to try and just be yourself. And so it's kind of easier said than done because it takes time to get comfortable. And as you get more comfortable, then your natural kind of personality, or in my case, lack thereof comes out. So about that part about being yourself, is that, or would you say that's why you separated from whatever like media company you were operating under and started your own show? Uh, I got laid off. Uh, oh. So this was, I was 21 at the time, I believe. This is uh, March of 2009, height of the Great Recession. Mm -hmm. I was working for NBC Sports at the time doing a digital video interview show. I had left college after a year and a half. I was full-time student first year at Syracuse, a part-time student first semester, sophomore year, and then left because I was getting good opportunities. And then all of a sudden, I'm laid off, have no meaningful career prospects, and realize I don't have a shot at getting the type of show I want because nobody has any money at this time. And so I just thought, as opposed to getting a real job, let's see if I can figure out how to create it on my own. So figured out the business model and so on and just kind of hustled and scrambled and made a lot of dumb errors along the way, but kind of learned by trial and error and figured it out as we went along. Yeah, that makes sense. I mean... They do say failure is the first attempt in learning. So, what, what what do you guys want to do? Like, what's the what are the career ambitions on your guys' end? Uh, right now, I mean, we're pretty unsure. We've got this thing going on, or at least for me, I'm pretty unsure. We've got this thing going on, but you know, the more the more we push to expand, the more we're like, you know, do we put a hundred percent of effort into this and just get rid of everything else moving forward? Or, I mean, I'm sure it's the same for Sham, but he could probably speak on that. Yeah, I mean, the reason I asked that question to begin with was part of the reason we started this to begin with was we were, I guess, curious about a lot of things, but it wasn't being, you know, covered or it wasn't being covered as much as you'd expect it to. So that's kind of why we started doing this. And then we're like, okay, if that's not out there on the internet or the media, then at least let's... Like, let's us two take initiative and start talking about it and then bring others into the conversation. So is, is the desire to make a career out of it or is it kind of just a, a side hobby as you pursue, you know, whatever profession it is you guys want to get into in school? I mean, at the moment, it's pretty unsure, I'd say. Yeah, it depends on how much traction we pick up. Yeah, that's well, cool, though. Because, yeah, I mean, the 
like you guys should be commended for starting this and working to figure it out and you'll learn as you go along and you know you're only seniors in high school so uh yeah congrats on all of this thank you do you have any other advice thank for you. us in terms um, of this whole thing i i would say you know first and foremost it is less connected to media uh but just education uh and this might sound weird coming from a college dropout but like the most important thing is uh being well educated uh reading a lot um you know i read three newspapers a day in addition to in a couple different industry trade publications uh and then I'm often reading memoirs, people were profiling, et cetera. I think just having a well-versed general education is super important. If, if not for media, for being able to have confident conversations with anybody you're looking to network with, or just in figuring out what the kind of next steps in your education or professional lives uh, are. So that that's first and foremost. Um, but if you want to do media uh, and you like the idea of doing on air, it's really just putting yourself in a position to get reps, meaning like just get experience. And it doesn't need to be with any sort of big name outlet. It just needs to be through something that you can hone your craft like this podcast or if you want to do play by play it doesn't matter whether you're holding a microphone by yourself at a, a little league game or calling a high school game for the high school radio show or college or minor league but you just need to uh, be in a situation where you're getting lots of reps because after your maybe first professional opportunity you get you're gonna get future gigs based on just the quality of performance or delivery or whatever you want to call it yeah i i 100 I, I agree with that especially the education part because again or going back to what i was saying earlier one of the reasons we started this was because we noticed that even within our schools there's education meaning you know they're taking the they're taking tests and they're trying or students are taking tests and they're trying to do as well as they can on them but then the other aspect that we noticed was missing to that was curiosity and i would say that's probably like the biggest principle that this podcast was founded on and me and rishi were pretty curious individuals we do a lot of reading as you said about things outside of just what we learn in school so i i guess to that point there's i would agree that there's a difference between standard or conventional education and then the kind of education we do for media or this podcast yeah and also if we are or i mean i agree with all of that obviously and uh as as sham said we do do a lot of reading and when we we're talking when he was talking about the i guess the the standard of conventional education we notice that a lot of people are often just doing they're reading for the tests, and then as soon as the test is over, they forget all the material. And I mean, I was like that too, uh, not too long ago. But now, 
you know, as we're doing more and more, mainly reading and research, it's we've kind of started to pick that up, and we started to look into topics that we're, you know, completely interested in, but also looking into the research aspect specifically. For example, if you're interviewing someone that is, I guess, from a sport that you know, like basketball and football and sports like that, I'm sure you're super familiar with. Compared to if you're interviewing someone from a sport that is often, or at least that you're not exposed to directly. For example, when you went over and interviewed Sachin or Coley, I mean, how or where do you start with that? Or how do you even, how do you even progress through that research? The exact same, really. Uh, first, I'm not that big of a sports fan anymore, interestingly. Really? Uh, I used to be a diehard sports fan when I, I was your guy's age. And uh, certainly I am the exception as opposed to the norm in my profession because uh, most of my colleagues are diehard sports fans. But I just am like I I like interesting people and I like learning about people that are successful regardless of the field and how they got to where they are and the highs and the lows and the lessons learned. And so because of that, it really doesn't matter to me whether I'm interviewing a cricket player or a basketball player, or we just did one with uh, Elon Musk's brother, Kimball Musk, who's, you know, outside of the sports field in general in his own right. And, uh, you know, I've been with Elon every step of the way in building his companies we were with Starbucks founder, Howard Schultz and Seattle and Italy uh, f filming one. So we, it kind of, varies greatly in terms of the folks we profile but it's very much the same type of interview um you know it's just trying to kind of humanize these larger than life figures and talk to them about how they got to where they are mm, sure that makes sense to me and also going off of what you were saying about expanding your range into like you went from sports or based off what i saw on your website you went from sports and then you were started talking to other people outside of the general sports industries like Kimball Musk or the Starbucks founder. How has the audience reacted to that? Or does it matter to you at all? Or do you just pursue whatever you want? And if the audience stays around, they stay around? Well, I mean, I think I took a lot of liberties in terms of pursuing people that we were just interested in and hoping for the best uh certainly you know you're conscious of all of the distribution partners you have the folks that carry the show because while you know anybody can upload stuff to youtube or facebook or tiktok or snap or wherever uh, that's not the case with ABC, NBC, CBS, and Fox stations around the country that carry us. And so uh, we're always kind of conscious of what they want. But I've always felt like at the end of the day, if you feel like you're putting your best foot forward and doing everything you can to make 
it a success then the folks that support you will give you some flexibility and continue to believe in you as you deviate a little bit from the original path yeah so i guess kind of to that point so you said earlier that you shifted from sports to just um people or you again like you interviewed elon musk's brother and i guess and you did that out of your own curiosity and i guess the point that we were making earlier that is that vc kind of like a cookie cutter approach in education do you see that same kind of thing in the media maybe i think it's well it's interesting because as podcasts is, have become more successful and pervasive I think there's a lot more long-form conversation today than there was five or 10 years ago. And because of that, I, I think there's a, a lot more than just cookie-cutter education out there. Um, you know, I think there are certain subjects in school that are hugely important that don't get taught, uh, like, you know, financial literacy or sales as a example. And you could ask, you know, why does somebody need to do sales if they want to become a historian or a teacher or whatever? Well, the reality is you have to get those jobs too. And nobody's going to do a better job selling you than you. And so I think there, I, I think people would be benefited by learning more just general life skills in school. Um, but I also think that to make a lot of other life decisions, having a general education is super important and uh you know middle school and high school and college uh, affords you that that ability but i i i don't think uh spending 50 60 70 grand a year to uh, attend college is that great of a deal yeah i mean then in that case if if things like sales and all that are not being taught in school or college or wherever where could someone like us just you know who are completely unexposed to that side of the world how could we go and find an outlet to learn things like that youtube i think uh youtube is like the the Holy best grail, kind usual of. library that exists uh I, I think you can find just about anything you could possibly want on any subject on youtube uh as you want to get you know more specific there are you know tools like masterclass and stuff like that but i think most everything uh in terms of basic type skills are uh, available for free through google 
And so that's largely, you know, where I've taught myself about industry related topics and uh, things like that. I, I think we're super lucky to be living today versus 20, 30 years ago when you had to go to a, a library to look up a lot of this stuff. I mean, is there yeah. any books or anything you'd recommend as well alongside the YouTube? Oh, gosh. Uh, uh, <laughs> yes. And I, I mean, there's, I, I'm, uh, the name escapes me, but there was, I remember my dad handing me a, a sales book. Um, it's going to drive me crazy now. That was like, one of the first self-help type books I, I I I read, and I I can message you guys uh, after the fact. But it sure. uh, was it was it how to Inf how to win friends and influence people. Uh, I that that was not the one he gave me, but it was you know basically something along the lines of sales for dummies and uh, you know <laughs> whatever. Um, but yeah, there's there's so much out there that you can learn outside of uh, school, but I, I think school's a hugely useful uh, tool. Um, and also, you know, you learn a lot of social skills in school too, that are invaluable. Um, I, I just think the, the cost of higher education's gotten a little bit out of control and there's no benefit to any student in being saddled with a lifetime of, uh, college tuition debt. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, hundred percent. I, I agree with that. I mean, me and Rishi, we were, we were, we've kind of been talking about this for a couple of years now, but it's, I mean, it's also partly our parents' decisions. So. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Or yeah. I, 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 it's a very large part of our parents' decision. I, I, I <laughs> Well, yeah, and look, if uh, you're able to have, you know, parents that uh, pay for it or get scholarship or uh, whatever, like, that's amazing. Um, you know, I only went to college for a year and a half, but my parents paid for that. Uh, you don't realize until a little later on in life just how lucky you are to have you know that uh, opportunity so um you know i'd like nothing more uh than one day you know and i i don't have kids i have a, a fiance but you know hopefully we'll have kids one day and you want nothing more than to be able to uh create the same opportunities for your kids that you were afforded and you know whatever you know money can buy so yeah. Yeah. I mean, something else, this is shifting a conversation a little bit, but when we first were, or when we were first reading about you and looking at your channel, we saw that, or we saw the interviews with Virat and Sachin, and we were super excited because we're both Indians, so we watch cricket. And, but I guess for you to that point about knowing your audience as through the, as a media company, I guess what made you want to interview you know, cricket players from India? 
Well, you guys would probably have a better perspective on this than me, but I explain to people who are not familiar with cricket that Virat's kind of like the LeBron of cricket and uh -huh. Sachin is kind of like the Michael Jordan of cricket. Yeah, that's really uh, accurate. Yeah. And, uh, you know, there's a difference, though, because LeBron and Michael don't get the same level of attention in the States as Virat and Sachin do in India. Uh, you know, I think there was an article I read. I, I could be misquoting this slightly, but, you know, the celebrity that they enjoy is that of like the president, the Pope and the Beatles combined. Um, and so, I, you know, it was funny because we we first went to India for Virat Kohli. And then a couple of years later, we went back for uh, Sachin. And as part of the taping with Virat, they asked us to pay for, I think it was like half a dozen security guards for the taping. <laughs> I remember getting this request thinking like, this is the stupidest thing ever and such a waste of money. And I cannot believe these guys are asking us to pay for this. Then you're actually in the situation with uh, Virat. And we were, I, I drove with him to this Adidas store, there, or Puma store. I think it was Puma store because he had to deal with Puma. And you know, nobody knows we're coming. It was before hours. Uh, and we get out of the car, quickly walk in. Um, you know, there were maybe a couple people on the street. Uh, we're in there for all of a half hour filming this with him. Then by the time we walk out, I mean, there are like thousands of people gathered. And, you know, we immediately go to the car. But then when we're in the vehicle, like people are on like both sides of the vehicle trying to get to it. And if it wasn't for these security guards, like it it's, would quickly become quite frightening. Uh, same situation with uh, Sachin. We were in some remote Indian village uh, where we popped in to do an abbreviated cricket match. And uh, I remember at the end of it, we had to like literally sprint with him to the vehicle, just jump in the vehicle and the vehicle took off because of just the massive amounts of uh, people. So um, you know, I was just intrigued by how celebrated these guys are and about how most people in the States had never heard of a couple people that are, what, two of the most famous people in a country with four times the population of the U.S. Yeah, yeah. I mean... That's yeah, that's definitely a thing to think about because there's a lot of or the cricket players in general in India are like super highly looked upon because it's pretty much the main sport. I mean, there's people that watch soccer you can find a couple people that watch basketball, but it's and there's a couple other Indian sports as well, but it's primarily cricket. And uh, that's but also or Sham, do you have anything to say to that? 
Yeah, and the other thing about Indian or sport cricket players is they, you know, all the celebrities are kind of, I mean, it's the same here, but to a further extent in India because the celebrities marry actresses and then they become part of that family. So then their fame just accumulates. So and Anushka Sharma was sitting uh, really? in the room or like she was one room over when we were uh, taping Bharat, but we did the interview in his house. And so she was there um, that day. And, you know, they're, they're very much like prisoners in their own home when they're in mm-hmm. India um, because they just can't go uh, anywhere. Um, so you also realize when you're in that situation, like what lifestyle you don't want to have, because I don't care the amount of money you give me, but it, if I cannot leave my home, no thanks. Like count me out. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah, that makes sense. I mean, that's the question, the age old question, you know, like, is there an amount of money you could take for having that level of fame? And I mean, to me, I'd say not really, but I mean, of course, it'd be, it'd be, it'd be fun for a few days or maybe yeah. a couple of weeks. But, <laughs> but then yeah. you want to go out to McDonald's or something. You just can't. Right. Yeah. yeah. So also, I, I feel like during your interview with them, the, the main thing that, or Indian journalism is a little bit different as in, you know, I'm sure you saw this in your comments as well, but people were asking, or people were saying that Indian journalists would say stuff like, you know, who's your high school crush? You know, all that stuff. And that's why I'm pretty sure out of the clips that you posted with Virat, the one where he was talking about Anushka Sharma was actually the most popular one. Oh, yeah, I noticed that. Yeah. So, I mean, what Sharma was saying that kind of explains where all that obsession comes from. Although in fairness, like if we were talking to Tom Brady and asking him about Giselle or you know, whoever and talking to them about their celebrity wife that would probably perform really well digitally as well. So I don't know that that's limited just to uh, the the Indian culture. Nonetheless, the attention paid on uh, celebrity there is like massive for sure. Is there anyone where you kind of felt like you kind of felt like some of those fans where you were you're like, no way I'm about to interview this guy? Uh yeah, I mean, well, probably different people than you would expect, but I did one where I spent the week in the Bahamas with Sir Richard Branson, uh, the British billionaire entrepreneur, uh, virgin fame. Uh, anyways, just somebody who, you know, I I always had a ton of respect for, created, you know, Virgin Galactic, which is one of the uh, companies you know, privatizing space exploration. Uh, I think he managed, what was it, the Rolling Stones uh, back in the day, uh, among uh, other things. And so uh, I had a chance encounter with him uh, in North Africa, um, an hour and a half outside of Marrakesh. And that, like, you know, brief meeting leads to him inviting me to play chess with him, tennis with him, dinner and drinks that night with him and his personal assistant. And then a month later, we're with him for the Baham- in, in the Bahamas taping an episode. And so that was like one of the all-time best booking stories. Uh, you know, I interviewed Kobe, uh, what, maybe about a decade ago. 
And that was kind of an early interview that got a lot of exposure and was, you know, I probably had no business sitting down with him at the time, but I got the opportunity to do so. And, you know, you, you can kind of feel the, the, the energy of the person. Yeah. The energy, the influence, whatever you want to call it. So that gets the adrenaline going a little bit. Even for this interview, I I was a little like ready because it's our biggest guest yet, you know. So it's like we're yeah. we're getting somewhere. So I I promise you, you guys will get far bigger people than me. But <laughs> yeah, I guess that that was also one of the things I was wondering. How do you or how do you come across these opportunities? Like you said with Sir Richard Branson, you just met him in North Africa, or or was it like you knew someone who knew him or something like that? No, I, uh, so first I, I travel like 250 days a year for work. So I, I move around, uh, you know, quite, quite a bit. I was in, in that instance, I was in Europe for work. It was late October. I like hiking, wanted a place to hike with good weather. Few hour flight from where I was in Europe was, uh, North Africa guaranteed good weather that time of the year versus, you know, like south of france type area which is is not and so i was looking for a place to stay he has these lodges all over the world uh you know like hotels and so i'm like oh i'll stay at his lodge because at least now when i submit a go back to submit another request for richard uh because i tried on many occasions before and could not get any extended amount of time with him. I'm like, at least now I can say, by the way, I stayed at his lodge in North Africa. So that, that was it. And then it just so happened, uh, when I was there, he happened to be there. Uh, and I caught him lounging by himself on his iPad. And I just went up heart pounding to, uh, <laughs> introduce myself. Uh, so yeah, I, you know, oftentimes, well, email representatives, publicists, uh, sometimes find a family member or somebody like that to, to contact. And then the other instances, I'll just go up and introduce myself to the person directly. Or sometimes you just DM them on uh, social media. So I just got, uh, um, you know, one from uh, The Rock the other day who we're now going to get really? uh, upcoming mm -hmm. episode taping with because uh, I happened to notice him following us on social media and I, I sent him a DM. That's cool. How, but what about in the beginning? How did you get your first, I guess, breakthrough interview with uh, Terrell Owens? Uh, I went up to him and introduced myself at a celebrity basketball game when I was in maybe ninth grade. Uh, and he used to, because of that, he would occasionally call into my high school radio show. And then I similarly got an interview with OJ Simpson that way, which ended up getting a lot of exposure and started creating one-off TV opportunities for me with ESPN. And the net result of that was 
because I had this pre-existing relationship with T.O. Then when he was arguably the biggest player in the NFL at the time, because he used to come on my high school radio show, he then agreed to do this ESPN TV interview with me. And so it just, you know, kind of snowballs uh, or one thing will lead to the next. I, I started by looking up home addresses at the local library uh, for former baseball players and Hall of Famers and sent them letters explaining the concept for my internet radio show. And then I got a few calls and, you know, I didn't have a cell phone at the time. These guys would just call my parents' house. My mom or dad would answer and yell back to me and say, Ernie Banks is on the phone or Bob Feller, who was another baseball Hall of Famer or Tim McCarver or um, Will Clark, who I doubt you guys heard of, but had just guided the Cardinals to a playoff run and then unexpectedly retired. And he called me from the hospital. His wife had just had a baby wanting to know if it'd be okay if we wait a couple of weeks on doing the interview. And I'm thinking to myself, like, I, I can't believe this guy is calling me like who, you know, who am I? So, mm-hmm. you know, I, I think I was lucky that I learned early on that, you know, if you just ask what's the worst anybody can say. Yeah. Right. right? It's true. I mean, that's kind so, of the same thing we did with you. So. Right. You just, <laughs> you just have to put the ball in play. Yeah, we looked up the our famous MICDS alumni because we knew that they would there would be a greater chance that they respond to our email. So, and I was on, on there on the yeah, Wikipedia on page. Actually. On the Wikipedia yeah. page. Yeah, yeah. So did uh, did anybody else respond? We, had, we you were the first person to be honest. We yeah. just did not contact anyone after you responded. Yeah. Anybody? Like, oh come on, nobody else. Not yet. I mean, we were looking through the like the some of the people. A lot of them were either they'd passed away or they were just not something that we knew enough or not even knew enough. But like, I don't know, I guess something that wouldn't be fun to talk about, like chairman of some hedge fund or something. Yeah. Well, you had to yeah. go for some Burroughs people then, too. They got John. Hayden yeah. And yeah. Sam Altman and yeah. uh, Ellie Kemper. and. Yeah, I was surprised to find you on there. I didn't even know that you went here because yeah. I have some friends that are fans of your show. And then I was like, oh, no way, Graham. Graham Benson is <laughs> on here. That yeah, was uh, class of 2005. So, yeah. <laughs> some people were born. Born then. When were you guys born? Yeah. I was in 2006. Was born in... So, you were. I was 2005. Oh, my God. When? <laughs> in 2005. What is it? What's oh, December. Birthday? December second. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. I grew graduated yeah. <laughs> high school. Yeah. Do you have any more questions? Because yeah. it's getting or he has to go meet with Logan Paul. So I think we gotta wrap it up. <laughs> I mean, there's there's still twenty minutes. All right. I'm mean, but I don't I don't want to rush him. Oh, oh yeah. Yeah. His manager, not Logan. So we've already okay. filmed with Logan. So Oh really? Yep, we uh spent uh like the better portion of a year off and on uh filming this uh, special episode of my show with logan that will be you know coming out here down the line so 
uh, talking to his manager about that. Yeah, I guess so, if you're as as you're moving out of just sports into like a broader a broader sphere of people, is I guess your approach to Logan is more of his general career rather than his boxing. Correct. Right. Uh, yeah. I mean, this is uh, you know he's arguably most successfully transitioned of anybody from original influencer to bona fide star. Uh, aside from boxing Floyd Mayweather Jr., he's one of the mm-hmm. biggest stars in the WWE. Uh, you know, he's created Prime Hydration, which, you know, had more sales in its first 12 months than Body Armor had in, I think, year six when Coca-Cola it first invested and then later later acquired it for like $6 billion dollars. Uh, Logan owns a quarter of this. Um, you know, he will, everything goes right, be a billionaire when this thing sells. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I just think he's super interesting guy involved in so much, um, has controversies surrounding him, but, you know, w- continues to work through them and come out on the other side stronger for them. And uh, I, I found him to be really interesting. Yeah, I, I think that's something that's definitely true about Logan Paul, because I remember even in middle school, when he had his big controversy, we were all saying, oh, like, this is the end of his career, his subs are going down, like, his, we were all like, oh, his channel's finished. But then, you know, a couple years later in high school, I... I've, I started seeing his podcast was coming up on my feed and stuff and then just news with his boxing. So right. I think that's definitely interesting that he's made it through all that controversy. Whereas I feel like his brother has I, not as, he hasn't achieved that kind of fame. Who do you guys like better, Logan or Jake? <laughs> Back in the day, I was a Jake Pauler. I don't know about Rishi. Yeah, I was as well. So, <laughs> uh, still today, or you like Logan better now, or still like Jake better? I mean, I don't know. I don't really follow either of them as much as I did back then. But uh, I don't know. I, I I've got to say strong. I can't switch up. <laughs> we don't and, hear about Jake as often. I feel like anymore. yeah, that's true. Really? I mean, yeah. he's the guy that's doing all the boxing. Yeah. yeah, I mean, but... I follow I Sham. I, I follow more combat sports than Sham does, or I follow combat sports more closer than Sham does. So yeah. I see, you know, Jake Paul's uh, knockouts over people like Tyron Woodley or his fight with Anderson Silva and stuff like that. Because I'm also a big MMA fan, so you know, when those two worlds collide, like my my childhood sixth grade self com- combining <laughs> with you know my the MMA fan in me, and I I tend to tune into a lot of those. But, uh, I mean, in general, outside of the boxing, I don't really follow either of them too much. Yeah. Like, I watched Logan's fight with Dylan Dennis. Uh, what do you think of that? Uh, the fight itself was not very entertaining to watch. Logan just kind of dominated him. But, the, I mean, the lead-up to it was kind of insane. Mm-hmm. I remember there was a lot of... I, I don't know. I don't know any better word to describe it than insane. Was that during that was during the time you were interviewing him, right? Or you said you've been doing uh, that, this for that was the tail end of of it. Yeah. I was uh last I was with Logan at his house in Puerto Rico 
like uh, I think a month, a month or month or two before uh, that fight. But that was when you know some of the controversy, or you know, they, they were each trying to get a rise out of uh, one another. But you know, you gotta respect their ability to like stoke interest and whatever it is they're doing and they they certainly know how to succeed in in that and that's a, a perhaps a skill in the social media game yeah that's true i heard that it's probably only because of that that fight sold a ton of pay-per-views that's probably not... right yeah. uh well i mean I guess my question to kind of bring this whole thing together is where do you plan to go from here? I mean, we see you're expanding your your sphere while still remaining true to your, like the people that care you, but you're kind of, you're coming into your own, or not really, you've already came into your own a long time ago, but you're kind of expanding on the foundation that you've built with your audience and your topics and your style. And I guess, how do you plan to push your show forward going from here? I think my goal is creating content that more consistently moves the needle, gets people talking. And the hope is that we can continue to get better access to top talent and show that to as wide of an audience as possible. So that that's it. I, I think certainly... You want the production quality to continue improving, but you know what I've learned is the distribution platforms will continue to change. Right? You have digital, you have broadcast, ABC, NBC, CBS, and Fox stations. You have regional sports television networks. You have streaming. Uh, you know who knows what impact AI is going to have on the media landscape. You have podcasting there, you know, the distribution platforms are going to continue to change. But I, I think what our focus is, is getting our content to as wide of an audience as possible and creating the best product we possibly can. And, you know, hopefully if, we are able to do that. The rest will kind of take care of itself. Yeah, I mean, simplicity is probably, or it's it's simplicity, but also it's coupled with clarity. As in, you know, you know exactly what you want and you, you're you figuring out the steps to get there. And I feel like that's something that we've been following as well, or trying to at least emulate that into our own work. So, well, good luck. I hope you guys <laughs> get into Hope you guys get the prom date you want. Hope you guys uh, get into the college you want. And uh, thanks for having me on the podcast. I uh, wish you guys a lot of success with it. And I have no doubt if you keep doing what you're doing, you'll end up killing it. Sure thing. Yeah. Thank you very thank much you. for coming on. Yeah, thank yeah. you. Thanks for having me.